Avast me, hearties, and set sail for another adventure with the Backlog Treasure Hunters. This is a podcast where we hunt for exceptional, unique, and interesting games from within our vast Backlog Treasure Trove. I am your host and hidden beanblock basher, Kevin Savage. Hosting with me today is my fellow video game enthusiast and bean-dispensing minigame, Jordan J.T. Manning. What is your favorite type of bean? What is my favorite? Oh, man. You know what's funny? This has been asked of me more than once in the last two months. <laughs> has it really? It has. Um, I think it's the great white bean or something like that. Hold on. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to find this for you. There is actually, I have an opinion. Yeah, yeah I, I figured yes. Great Northern Bean. That is my favorite bean. <laughs> what about the Great Northern Bean makes it the superior bean? Uh, it is, it makes a mean soup. Interesting. I, I yeah. like a good bean soup. I like a good bean casserole. Uh, it's very popular in the UK to make uh, sausage and bean casserole. So yeah. my opinion of beans has broadened since I have begun adopting them as uh, a denizen of this country. I'm a man who likes beans. That's just how it be. Yeah, I mean, I like them canned. I like them fried. I like them refried. I like them in chili. I like them in casserole. Just like bean me up, man. Bean me up. Oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> so have you been playing any games that you would like to spotlight? Um, I've been playing what our next episode is. That's really fun. I'm enjoying it quite a bit. I have only finished the tutorial battle and the little scene where you're a gladiator so far. And Okay. Uh, genuinely, uh, just like first impressions, very fresh. Uh, it's already really good. Like it's engaging in a cool way. It's an engaging in a way that this studio can kind of capture you in a great way with that kind of era of their games. Yeah, it, it lets you jump in really quickly and experience the game almost full force as soon as you can. But um, other than that, just like uh, Monster Train, I've been going back and playing that. That's a fun little roguelike card game that I like to go back to every so often. And I think that's it. Little Fire Emblem here and there. Ooh, uh, which Fire Emblem? Radiant Dawn. Oh, that's the GameCube one or the Wii one? I believe that's the Wii one. I'm going to check my math here. Yeah, Gradient Dawn is the Wii one. <laughs> and that's uh, that, that's where um, Ike returns and uh, made a big splash, isn't it? Yeah, but I mean the, the other characters are way more compelling than Ike, in my opinion, in this one. Ike's pretty well, cool I mean... in the GameCube one, but th this one tries to expand the cast a little bit more than that. Well, I mean, welcome to Fire Emblem, where the colorful cast of characters is the most compelling part. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> um, so what about you, Kevin? What have you been playing? So, uh, back when I broke my arm at the beginning of 2020, uh, I got a gift in the mail uh, from my dad that was a one-handed gaming solution, which is a Switch controller grip that lets you hold two Joy-Cons in one hand. And... It was 3D printed, and it's bright orange, which is the best color for any electronic device or accessory. But I've yes. been playing Mario Rabbids Kingdom Battle while I feed my <laughs> daughter bottles of milk. And I'm having a blast with this game. It's really fun. Uh, it's easy, and it's for babies, but it's the perfect thing when it's 5.30 a.m. and you have a hungry baby. And 
once you finish like a ten a ten battle world section, like a chapter of the game, mm-hmm. you unlock challenge stages, uh, which are like puzzle battles that are that remind me a lot of the war room mode in Advance Wars, where there's like okay. A, "Quote unquote," right way to execute the the challenge, and um, they force you to take advantage of and manipulate certain mechanics of the game to win the challenges. And it's actually a really really interesting game when you're doing those challenges because it shows how well constructed the game is and how robust it is that they can add in like a platforming challenge into a tactical RPG, that kind of thing. So it's surprisingly deep and interesting. That's really cool. I I genuinely think you would get a really big kick out of it. I know that we've been texting about it, and it is a game for babies, Okay. but it is also really interesting. So like, it's not difficult. Like You you can crush it. The, the best move in the game is you make Mario jump on characters, and he deals like 180 damage, and they just die. But, Holy goodness. Um, uh, so like you just, you build into your like attack strategy. Like how do I move Mario's boots onto the enemy's head? And, Mm -hmm. um, so they, they, they do some interesting things like in a tactical RPG, you can Goomba stomp people and it's just cool. So, okay. Been been having a good time at five 30 in the morning. Nice. (laughs) Uh, so, uh, moving on to important business, what game did we clear from our backlog this time? Well, actually, I have something for you before we, we spoil that, Kevin. I have a surprise for you. I'm all ears. Uh. It hit me. So, how long have we been talking about this game? Um. Like, that we wanted to put this on the podcast. How long? Uh, as soon as I started the backlog list, you added this, and I was very surprised. Yeah, and uh, so you are under the impression that I beat it, like, within this week? Um, yeah. Very incorrect. Kevin, I beat this game two months ago. Did you? I did. Wow, you're <laughs> I, a, 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 a sneaky boy. I have been messing with you uh, this whole time, giving you a completely different impression of how I've been playing this game. That's a really bizarre lie, but I like <laughs> it. So, um, it's something that you might not have caught, but like when I was doing my like summer list, mm-hmm. uh, this was one of the ones on it, and this was probably the first thing I beat on the summer list. I beat it in about three days. I love the wow. pants off this game. <laughs> <laughs> um, Just, wow, this game yeah. is so digestible. Like uh, that. That's uh, I. I'm impressed. I, yeah. I, I, I don't know why you kept that from me, but I'm so <laughs> We were kind of arguing about which, like, version to get. I think we were arguing about something else, like, in terms of uh, different games that we wanted to play. I, uh, I'd like to go on. I certainly wasn't arguing with you. I was just saying that you had the choice available to you because I had a physical copy, and I would, what I was saying was... If you thought it would be interesting, you could pick up the 3DS version. And no more than that. It wasn't yeah, an argument. I, was, I so, wasn't browbeating you into playing a different version. And so um, I looked up the prices, and I could have gotten a GBA version. I could have gotten a 3DS version um, without worry. But what actually happened was I ordered the GBA version 
and by the time they shipped it, I was like, I, I honestly can't wait. So I just downloaded it onto my Vita, and I played the GBA ROM, and I beat it before the game reached my house. Oh my goodness. Uh, yeah. So I, I actually really regret not playing this on my Vita. Uh, I'll just I'll just explain right now. Uh, so I have a flash cart for my GBA where I can play games that I've acquired and play them on my Game Boy Advance. And I thought okay. to myself, no, 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 uh, I'm not going to play it on my flash cart. I'm just going to play it with my original uh, cartridge. And I've been having trouble with the right, um, like the R button on my GBA. And okay. it's really annoying. And if I just played it on the flash cart, I could have copied my save over my to my Vita and then not had any problems with any of my buttons. Yeah. So yeah, and you definitely need the um, the right button. Yeah, I mean, it was it was a, a minor annoyance, and it got better towards the end of my playthrough. But there was like a weekend where the R button was just not cooperating, and I was really annoyed because I was like maybe halfway through the game already, and it was way too far to, like, go back and start over. So, yeah. anyway. So well, I, uh... I, I envy you for playing this on your Vita. <laughs> <laughs> it, was, it was a good experience. But so, let's spoil what the game is. So we played Mario & Luigi Superstar Saga, developed by the now sadly defunct Alpha Dream. The high-level premise of this game is that the superstar duo Mario and Luigi must go to the Bean Bean Kingdom in order to stop a wicked sorceress from conquering the world, and along the way, they drink a lot of bean juice. Like a lot. <laughs> Too much bean juice. Yes. Yes, quite a bit. Bit of background. Uh, superstar Saga was created by Alpha Dream, and that's one word, not two, uh, who you may know for their prolific <laughs> Hamtaro video game series on the Game Boy Advance and DS. Uh, jokes aside, I've actually heard that those are pretty good. Uh, do you have they are. on the Hamtaro games? I, I knew you would. <laughs> I unfortunately do. I've played some of them. I've played Hamtaro Ham Ham games, which, I mean, it's a collection of mini games, really. It's like um, uh, Mario and Sonic at the Olympics or something like that. That's kind they of the idea. Made, they actually made one of the Sonic and Mario at the Olympics games. That's right, they did. They did Tokyo 2020. That's really funny. Um, yep, this would I'll be the company that. to make it. Uh, and then they also made um, Rainbow Rescue, which I vaguely remember. The only thing I can remember from playing it when I uh, rented it a really long time ago is that I've always wanted to buy it, but I've never been able to find it in person. Hmm. I knew I knew you would have played at least one of them. I don't I don't know what told me, but I knew. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Mario and Luigi Superstar Saga was released in 2003 on the Game Boy Advance and then it was remade on the 3DS in 2017 uh, Alpha Dream made more Mario and Luigi games possibly than anyone could have ever needed but uh, they sadly went bankrupt back in 2019 after they were kind of relegated to producing shovelware titles things like Mario and Luigi at the Olympic Games or Mario and Sonic and then yeah. uh, they wound up just like endlessly re-releasing the Mario and Luigi games. So they either got two or three re-releases on to 3DS. And uh, I don't know exactly what happened, but it sounds like they just got into a bunch of financial trouble. So yeah. uh, have you played any of the other Mario and Luigi games? I have. I've played, well, okay. So there's a little bit of a story to it. 
after I beat this game, I was real excited to play more of the series because we've talked about before that this is, you know, Mario and Luigi is huge. There's a whole bunch of them. There's and, at least six. And I've played pretty much none of them up until this point. Or that's not true. I've played, I played Superstar Saga when I owned it when I was a kid, but I never like got too far into it. I ended up trading it to GameStop at some point. Mm-hmm. Um, but as an adult, like I've beaten it now and I thought, oh man, these are really, really good. So I owned Dream Team because it came with my 3DS, but I never played it. And like, I got my DS brand new. And from the day I got it, I never even opened the app. I didn't even know what it was because I thought it was some like garbage shovelware title. I didn't know that it was uh, rooted in these kind of like RPG type Mario and Luigi games. And then, of course, I play Superstar Saga, and I'm like, oh, man, I've got to jump into the rest of them. But mm-hmm. I played Dream Team, and it wasn't too, like, captivating. Like, it wasn't captivating in the same way that this game is. And I can't put my finger on why, but that's kind of my opinion on the matter. Yeah, I own Partners in Time, which was the kind of DS follow-up to this game, and I just really didn't get into it. I'm way more interested after we just revisited this one. But yeah. I maybe played three or four hours, and it's just not captivating. And I don't, I, I couldn't put my finger on exactly what it is. I would have to kind of play more of it to have a more defined opinion. But um, I was surprised by how uninterested I was in delving into it. Yeah, there. It feels like there's something to where the more games that they started to put out, the more mechanics they tried to shove into them. And I don't feel like that's what they wanted to do. Like, there's so much inspiration from just Superstar Saga that they could have just made that game in a different kind of way continually for years and progressively get a little bit better over time without making giant sweeping changes, and they would have been fine. But, like, like I said, there's not... I don't know what it is that really doesn't captivate me, but it just doesn't for the rest of these. I'd certainly like to try them. Uh, maybe we uh, could approach these in another year or two and play another one of them to kind of put our fingers on what's not quite as ace about it. But That would what, be fun. Yeah. So, I mean, there's, uh, I, I've actually been thinking about what um, games we could cover to kind of follow up stuff that we've already talked about. Like, I got a copy of Far Cry 2 for like three pounds, and uh, I'm very excited to, to try it out. So, uh, Alpha Dream was founded by Squaresoft employees in the early 2000s, and the most notable one is Chihiro Fujioka, the director of Super Mario RPG, and you can see a lot of that game's DNA in Superstar Saga. Uh, And before they made Superstar Saga, Alpha Dream made a game called Tomato Adventure, which I'm confident that I saw pictures of in a video game magazine back in like the early 2000s, along with speculation of it uh, coming to the United States, which it never did. And I've heard that it's very similar in tone to this game, which is a kind of comedy of error style adventure. Yeah. But it had a trading card game in it, uh, like a deep trading card game with like you can go around the map and challenge anybody to a trading card game, kind of like, like Final Fantasy VIII. And, okay, uh, and like but there Witcher, was, effectively, with Gwent. Yeah, and Fallout New Vegas with Caravan. Like, do you want to just keep yeah. one-upping each other? <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
so, uh, but apparently Tomato Adventure had an even greater emphasis on mini games than Superstar Saga, and that's really hard to imagine. But uh, I'm fascinated by what I've seen of Tomato Adventure, uh, but it's never been fully translated to English. Apparently there's a lot to do and it's very difficult. So I'm aware of one project that got about 30% of the way through, and then the guy just said that he's not interested in doing it anymore. So it'll be a while before anybody commits to doing a project like that, and we can never add it to the backlog. Gotcha. So why is this game in our backlog? Uh, we talked about this a little bit already, but I was very surprised that you added this to your list. Uh, why did you not play this when you had a Game Boy Advance as a Wii Lab? Um, a really good answer would be just that I didn't have time, um, but I don't think it gripped me when I was younger. The way that these RPGs were layered, I kind of wanted something a little bit more serious. And it like this is a very funny game. It has a lot of comedy to it. And as an adult, though, the comedy does not stick all the time. The narrative does not stick all the time. So I can see really? how... I was I mean, chuckling yeah. myself a lot of it. it it's got... I, I mean, it, it, it's funny. Like, it's got a whole bunch to where you will laugh, but you can tell that there are a lot of jokes that they tried to pepper in that just don't land the exact way you might have thought they would. So, oh no, that's kind of my hot take on it. And when I was younger, I just, I had it, and I played a bit of it, but it was never something that gripped me. But I knew I would at some point. That's kind mm -hmm. of where that part of the story ends is this still ended up on our backlog because it's interesting. It's fun. I remember having a conversation with somebody in grade school who was telling me about the Game Boy Advance and he was saying that they'd ported um, a bunch of Super Nintendo games. Like they'd ported um, uh, Mario Kart, they'd ported uh, Super Mario World, a bunch of the SNES Final Fantasy games and things. So I, I knew that I just I had this kind of gut feeling that there was going to be a Super Mario RPG sort of game that was on the Game Boy Advance. And as soon as I saw this game, I knew it. And as soon as I had two pennies to rub together, I bought it. And um, I liked it at the time, and I like it now. But for some reason, I have a really vivid memory of playing Superstar Saga at Ruby's, the 1950s-style diner restaurant chain. You know Ruby's. Uh, I think it was at an all-day fundraiser or something because I distinctly remember having both lunch and dinner there in the same visit and playing a ton of this game. And I was I struggled through the final dungeon and I was hopelessly stuck on the final boss. And I remember sitting there for like an hour and a half just like slamming my head against a stone wall because I couldn't beat the final boss. Okay. Wow. Yeah. Uh, little, little me was bad at video games, I suppose. <laughs> I mean, I guess. We played a yeah. whole bunch of them. I can't say we were bad. Fair enough. Uh, I, I, I think that's a, a reasonable conclusion. I probably just needed to grind a little bit, but um, kids... I, I, I regularly have problems where I cross my arms and say, I shouldn't have to grind. Yeah, I, I don't like grinding in video games either. Um, I mean, like, unless the game play loop is really, really, really fun. Sometimes you have to. And you don't really know when you have to all the time. No. Did not have to grind this playthrough. No, no, absolutely not. Um, which is funny because I had that experience playing the GBA game. And when I went on to check the differences for the 3DS version, mm -hmm. uh, everyone said that it's just miles easier. And I'm like, I, I don't want this game to be easier. 
Like, it's already incredibly easy. So, uh, uh, well, let, let's talk about the, the story of this game a little bit. So you play as the silent protagonist duo Mario and Luigi, who are summoned to Princess Peach's castle because Bowser is up to his usual, usual villainy. Uh, when the wicked Cackletta shows up and steals Princess Peach's voice for nefarious reasons. So you team up with Bowser to chase after Cackletta and her crony Thawful to the Bean Bean Kingdom so that you can stop them and hilarity ensues. Uh, along the way, you meet Queen Bean Bean and Prince Paisley who help you on your quest and are kind of your main quest givers. And over the course of the game, Luigi becomes a huge fan of Prince Paisley and it's excellent. You eventually learn that Princess Peach's voice is the only thing pure enough to wish upon the Bean Star, which Cackletta plans to use to conquer the world. And uh, I know that we try not to get too personal or political on this show, but I need to ask you a very serious question, JT. Okay. Would you eat the Bean Star? A hundred percent. Cut it up, give it to me, gra- like, I'll grab a fork right now. I'm hungry for some bean star. Would you eat, <laughs> Kevin? <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, I, the, the, for, for some reason, this occurred to me. Uh, there's a part where you're handing off the bean star, and they, they put a fake bean star out, and then the real bean star. Fawful knows that you've got a fake one. And yeah. um, for some reason, just like Luigi putting the bean star up over his head, I just for some reason, I was just like, why don't they just eat it? And I, I don't know why that was, <laughs> <laughs> why does I have that... no idea what I'm... <laughs> why does that come into your brain like that is is do you have that same thought in the legend of zelda when leek gets a sword and he puts it above his head <laughs> you're like man leek could chow down on that thing yeah <laughs> maybe link should eat that compass <laughs> oh, oh I, great I... a tasty map <laughs> Yeah, but seriously, I would eat that bean star whole. Oh, so, 100%. <laughs> uh, you confront Cackletta when she tries to make a wish, and the voice is wrong. Uh, Prince Paisley and Queen Bean Bean knew the whole time that Cackletta needed the voice, so they replaced Princess Peach with um, Birdo, I think. And then, um, uh, so the, the, the wish goes wrong, and um, you confront Cackletta, and you frigging kill her where she stands. And Fawful resurrects her using Bowser's body. And in that mix-up, the Bean Star shatters, and then uh, Bowletta and Fawful make you collect all of the pieces, and then you eventually confront them in Bowser's castle, which is flying over Bean Bean Kingdom, raining fire down from the sky on all of the beanie citizens. And then uh, you battle your way through the castle, pummeling all of the Koopa Kids into extinction, uh, where <laughs> I can't. Oh my god! Are you listening to the words you're saying? Like this is pure nonsense. These are not real sentences. But I tell you what, listeners, this is the game. Yeah, this this is exactly what happens. And like genuinely, this 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 is actually what happens. You enter Bowletta's body in order to kill her soul and stop her forever. And then yeah. everyone lives happily ever after. Yep. <laughs> uh, and this this game's a lot like For the Frog, The Bell Tolls, where it's just solid, silly, lighthearted comedy with a lot of great moments and bizarre locales. And I just, I, I had a lot of fun with it. Um, do you have anything else to add on the story? Just that, as you said, the story is incredibly wacky. It's funny, and you are right. It's more about, like, where you go and what, uh, creatures you see and how you interact with them. Like, interaction is everything in this game. It makes for so much 
clean comedy because you have a silent protagonist. So it's kind of difficult to get um, true comedy out of it, if, the, if you know what I mean. Oh, I, so I don't necessarily agree with that. I love when, like, you walk up to people and they're like, who are you? And then Mario jumps and they're just like, oh, oh, you're Mario. Only Mario can jump like that. Who's that, who's that green guy with you? And Luigi, like, face plants into the ground. And yeah. I think that they, they do physical comedy really well. Uh, the, uh, again, it's, there's a lot in common with For the Frog, The Bell Tolls. And there was a lot of physical comedy in that game, too. Of, like, characters putting their hands up in the air because they're just like, how do you not know who I am? Uh, so I've got some of uh, the areas I thought were particularly funny, like the Chucklehuck Woods, where you meet a man who's brewed Chocola Cola. Oh my god, that is and, the fu- that is by far the funniest part in the game. Not gonna lie. Yeah, and in no small part because he's brewing a soft drink which is made by telling it jokes for one hundred years, and that somehow turns into a monster and it tries to beat you up, and that's just excellent. Like, give me that all the time. Yeah, he he has told that barrel of cola terrible jokes for a hundred years, and it soured it so much that it turns into a monster to defeat you. That's oh, perfect. is that is that your read on the situation? Is that they hated those jokes? Yeah, that's that. I like that take. But that man has one hundred years of jokes. Yeah, every single day. I think you like a couple each day too. Like you walk in on him telling jokes to this like, barrel of soda, and the soda's reacting to it. Yeah, yeah. I, I, uh, Stuff like that just works for me. Yeah. Uh, There's the Oho Oho Oasis, where you find a group of creatures that wander around aimlessly asking philosophical questions, and you can set them on fire, and then they are reborn. Oh my god. Oh, one, one of them tells you, one of them says to you, like, please don't light me on fire, so I immediately did. And they, they like, (laughs) run around until they charge into you and you can fight them and they drop really good equipment (laughs) and um uh after they've like burned out they go back to normal and if you ask them they say stuff like i feel much better now thank you oh wow oh yeah that's a little secret i didn't know yeah oh but there's a ton of stuff all throughout the game that's like silly interactions like that yeah that's Um, a really cool part of this game is there are secrets everywhere i like I knew that this that was a thing about this game to like kind of look out for them, but you I don't think in one playthrough you can catch all of them. No, and I I remembered so much stuff when I got to particular areas and I knew like I remembered lighting them on fire as a kid and thought that I'd like done that to be a jerk, you know, like how kids just do weird stuff. Like I used to throw bombs at people in Zelda because it amused me that they didn't react to it. Yeah. Uh, yeah, oh, but there, it's, there's just so many, it's, it's like, it's so many jokes per minute and so many secrets per minute. Like, this game just has high density of, uh, Content well, per square inch. Yeah, that's a really good way to put it. Content per square inch. Yeah. Um, another thing that I particularly liked was, uh, Bowser loses his memory, so he's running around wearing a bandana, following the orders of a petty thief who is, like, he's always getting in your way because of how incompetent he is. Like, yeah. if, he, if he were a good thief, he would either be able to steal from you or have already stolen the thing that he was looking for, but it's like, he'll, like, hide behind the door and wait for you to, like, go through it. And he's just like, ha, I'm, I'm in here now. And I just, I, re- I can't even remember what his name was, but he made me laugh. Oh, I can't remember either. <laughs> uh, he's like, the, yeah, I remember him. Yeah, he's a cool dude. 
Um, and then uh, nobody ever recognizes Luigi. And there's a part of the game where Luigi has to be hypnotized into believing that he is Mario so that he can stop being a coward long enough to save Mario. <laughs> and it's explicitly like the 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 hypnotizer is like this this will make you stop being such a coward. Yeah. Oh man, poor Luigi. Uh did you so did did you have a favorite part or was it just the Chocolacola part? Um, I had a couple favorite parts my favorite section is the uh the dr mario area oh Oh, in the university where you fight the dr mario viruses yeah i thought that was really cool that was a a sweet nod to um a game they didn't have to nod to yeah that that's another good part of the content per square inch thing is how many nods there are to other mario games they even get a song from super mario rpg into the game uh the song that plays when you're doing the Gino um, minigame in like Mushtown or whatever it's called. Uh, yeah, I'm certain that song's from Mario RPG. Yeah, I agree. Um, oh, and Gino's in it. Like, this game's rad. Yeah, I never found Gino. He's, he explains how to play the minigame. You have to play that minigame. Oh, is that right? Yeah, there's like a, li- there's a little puppet that comes out on the side and it's Gino. It's, it's just Gino, and uh, he's like, you you have to raise the thing left and right in order to get like mushrooms and flowers and stars and score points, and that's how you get the mushroom that poisons Mario. Oh, that is right. Oh man, I totally didn't even look at that. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. You must have just been in autopilot mode. Oh, and Donkey Kong explains this skeleton of Donkey Kong explains a different game to you. That one I remember, um, but that's okay. I mean, apparently Gino is in like all of them, right? Uh, no, apparently they got in big trouble, uh, and Gino's been removed from the 3DS version. I know that one, certainly. Oh, okay. Um... Like I said, the director of um, Super Mario RPG was at least a producer for this game. I'm, I know that he didn't direct it, but uh, he, he he helped found the company, so like he must have given them a thumbs up and said, yeah, yeah, man, put Gino and everything. Yeah. Um... Other than that, like, my favorite aspect of the game is the boss fights. Oh, yeah. The boss fights are so good. We'll talk about combat and boss fights in a little bit. I just wanted one more uh, story thing. Yeah, what was your favorites? Uh, my favorite little, like, jokey part is the uh, the boat that's crewed by living skeletons that's just stranded in the middle of the desert. Okay, and yeah. In particular, there was a big fat sailor... Who got stuck in the wall after drinking too much Chocolacola. And now only his big fat skeleton remains in the wall and is just chilling. Like, he won't let anybody get him down. He's living <laughs> his best life stuck in that wall. And just, what a guy. Just, what like, a having guy. a time. What a guy. Uh, and I, just something about that on this playthrough of just this guy. He's just like, yeah, man, I drank all that Chocolacola. What are you going to do about it? <laughs> yeah, like, fight me, please. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I did it before you were born. I did it before your dad was born. <laughs> uh, oh, man. So, uh, what sets this game apart? Have you got your little uniqueness corner, or are we not ready for it? Uh, I do. Um, so, the unique thing I think about in this game is the time... Well, you probably could have guessed it, but the timed attacks. Oh, um, yes. Not only just timed attacks as a concept, but as something that you yourself can get really good at. And the better you are at learning timing for different things, 
the easier the game just becomes. Like, um, for most boss fights, like, all of their attacks can be time-read and positioned in a moment to where if you're, like, doing everything correctly, you almost never take damage. Mm. And uh, the thing that kind of sets this apart from most other games about timed attacks is everything is reliant on it. So you can... Like, all of your bros' attacks have different timings. All of the bosses do. All of the enemies. Um, there's mini-games that involve timing. Like, it's one of the things that sets this up, this game apart from most of the rest is that it delves the deepest on timing mechanics of anything I've seen before. Um, Kevin, what are your thoughts about timed attacks? Oh, I love them. I am Mr. Timed Attacks. Uh, this game, that was uh, one of the biggest reasons I wanted to come back to this game is uh, because of how deep they go, because of how engaging it is, because of how the battles themselves almost feel like mini games within the game, especially the boss fights. Uh, it feels like a like a sub game. It, it feels like somebody just cast Shaharzad. Now you're underneath the table playing a second game of Magic the Gathering. Yeah, yeah, and I don't see it in a lot of other games. Like, I've played tons of games like this with the similar combat system. Like, it's fairly simple. You fight, you press a couple buttons, and then you do a specific attack. But in this game, it's always about, instead of just pressing a button and delivering an attack, maybe pressing a couple extra at the right time to do extra damage. Or saving yourself... Um, or use a completely different attack because you put a different set of buttons in Exactly. Uh, there's a lot of versatility to the way that timing works in this game, and I think that is the randomized complexity of this game that makes it interesting and fun. Mm. Uh, it's, that's kind of why I liked all the boss fights, is every time I knew I was going into a boss, I knew I'd have to like figure a different puzzle out based on uh, the attacks of the boss and the attacks that I was using. Like I can go in and I can do my optimal damage, because I've been practicing. But then the boss comes with some new, interesting way of moving. Like, um, Cacletta at the very end, that is a weird thing that she does with her arms. Yes. Where she, like, swings over and under. And it, it's, it was really hard to tell, but I kind of got good at it. I'm like, oh, man, this is a final boss. and like, this is easy now. Yeah, I, I love how once you get good at that fight inside of that fight you start to win that fight and yeah, yeah before before you figure her out she could whoop you like some of her attacks i mean i i was like around level 40 so both mario and luigi I. were were big tank boys who just distributed pain but uh some of cackletta's attacks would do like 50 or 60 damage and that's that's even even in the late game that is a substantial amount and it was like ooh i can't let luigi get hit again or else i will have to like use a big heal item for instance yeah so uh Cacletta's soul i think is a spectacular fight i actually uh, that's actually my uh, my highlight of my playthrough so we'll talk about that some more um cool so just to kind of flesh out what you just said because it is the most interesting part of the game the timed attacks allow you not just to do additional damage but also sometimes your weapons only take full effect if you use them correct if you do the timed attack correctly 
So like JT said a minute ago, there's almost reverse timed attacks while you're on defense and enemies attack you and you can defend yourself with your hammers or dodge their assault with your jump. And it's like we've been talking about, it's like a separate sub game and it's about learning how, not just how to attack, but also how to defend. And it's just really engaging. Uh, we'll talk about bros attacks in a second because we kind of need to explain the wider thing about that first. But were you surprised to learn that this is a Metroidvania? Uh, it is not a Metroidvania, but I'll it let is... you can I'll let you finish. So you unlock different movement abilities that allow you to traverse the world using the Mario Bros themselves as the key to solve the puzzle. So you get special jumps to reach high places, spin across gaps. Uh, use your hammers to shrink or to go underground or use magical gloves that have been enchanted with fire to run recklessly or use uh, lightning gloves to like stick together and move in tandem. Uh, so the bro's movement is very interesting and unique, but it encourages backtracking. You go to earlier areas and find more secrets by using the moves that you've learned throughout the game that are gated by your progress. Some of them are skill intensive. This game's totally much more I mean, it sounds like a standard RPG at this point. I mean, in 2003, this was certainly more progressive than implementing all of those things in 2021. Very true. But they all had a very similar formula for the GBA era in terms of like what an RPG would kind of look like. And it's, yeah. the, it's the spins and the, the hot takes on that formula that make for the really good games. Which I think this game is. Oh, absolutely. I think this is a very phenomenal game. So what did you think of the bros movement? Uh, I don't really have a vast opinion on it. I think it's an interesting mechanic. Um, I enjoyed using it. What about I you? Thought, I thought that it was a little bit one note. Um, the All of the things that you do with the bros movements uh, are kind of telegraphed. It's almost like uh, they put a little sign up that says, like, do the spin jump here. And yeah. I didn't feel like, I mean, in some of the dungeons, you have to figure out and put things together for yourself. Like, I think Joke's End and Bowser's Castle are both really good dungeons because of how much critical thinking you have to do. But I felt like a lot of the game kind of lacked substance for the puzzles that they give you with the bros moves. And that's probably why you don't stick this in the Metroidvania category. Yeah, because the, I mean, they're cool and interesting in the way that they do it, right? Like, turning Luigi into a surfboard is hilarious. Um, yeah, it's just funny. Um, being able to have, like, fire hand and lightning hand and, like, the spin jump, I guess it would be, <laughs> in, in whatever you'd call it. Stuff like that seems kind of one note where it's like, all right, I guess so, you're going to jump on each other's shoulders and spin into a tornado that gives you more distance but um like that that's a way to do that puzzle in my opinion i couldn't think of a better way to make it yeah i mean i'm not i'm not necessarily criticizing it i'm just saying that um uh it kind of lacked a layer of depth to it but this this is a game for kids that is meant to be played in small chunks while you're driving to um target in your mom's movie yeah I just think so. that it's like it it's one of those things that they probably had to do to add a little bit more puzzle to the world and it works. 
Yeah, it, it works. It works. I'm not. I'm not. Not trying to sound too critical. Uh, I was just yeah. trying to in, encourage conversation. Yeah. Uh, so once the bros movements have been unlocked, you can wield them uh, uh, with what JT mentioned earlier: the bros attacks, which are timed attacks sequences uh, that you can use to beat up your enemies that involve both of the Mario Bros and are very similar in style and function to like the movement outside of the world. So there's like you you do this spin jump where Mario jumps on top of Luigi and then the two of them jump together and you spin and land on top of your enemies. Like it's it's just the attack. It's just the movement ability, but in battle. Um, mm -hmm. However, if you do them perfectly enough and you master the sequence, you get alternate modes for each of them. So there's somewhere around 20 different bros attacks that you can learn uh, once you've mastered everything. Uh, and they add spice to the battles. Uh, what was your favorite bros attack? Uh, the spin. Um, Just like right off the bat, the first one. Uh, yes, for good reason. There is a badge that you can get fairly early on. I think it's called the mushroom badge. Oh, mushroom badge. you used the mushroom badge. Yeah. Oh man. Uh, did Why? you look up the form? Did you look up the formula for how it's calculated? Because it's bananas. No. Uh, Is it? Can, yes. Um, uh, so the mush badge calculates damage based on how many of each variety of mushroom you have. So okay. if you have ninety-nine basic mushrooms, ninety-nine super mushrooms, ninety-nine ultra mushrooms, and like any number of max mushrooms, each one of them—it's kind of like the Pokeball catch formula, where like. Okay. Um, where it's it's like the percentage of the Pokemon's health uh, with some variable based on status, and then like you can catch it better with a Master Ball, that kind of stuff. Uh, yeah. The so the Mush Badge uh, apparently even with the basic Mush Badge, because there's I think there's something like three Mush Badges that are progressively more powerful. But yeah. um, the even with the basic Mush Badge with like. Uh, with, with a certain number of them, you can just kill Cacolita's soul in one hit. Like, they're busted. Yeah, I mean, that's kind of... It was when I fought, like, the third boss, and I just had a decent amount of mushrooms, mm -hmm. that I did that first attack. Because I'm, like, trying to figure out which attack is going to... At the beginning of the game, I thought that the different bros' attacks had, like, weakness. Like, mm -hmm. you could do a specific one, and it would actually do more damage. But then I... Um, I had the mush badge equipped because that's just like one of the first ones I picked up and I'm like, oh, I got mushrooms. Cool. And then I, you know, mash the button and I do like significant damage and I'm seeing it. I'm like, Ooh, okay. That's pretty dang good. And then, you know, it just, it progressively gets better. It's like having, I wouldn't say like a master sword at the very beginning, but it, because it scales with you as you move through the game and you don't like need to use mushrooms. It, it, it works and you don't mm. really need anything else yeah it's so so you you just you like the basic ones you just uh, you, you you're a bread and butter rose attack kind of guy i tried to move into the other ones but like it, i did them just to play them and feel out what they were but i always went back to the spin attack all right that's fair enough uh, my favorite one is mario's um, fireball attack where you play baseball with luigi okay so, uh, like, you match the A button and Mario throws 10 or 15 fireballs, and then you bat them at your enemies with Luigi. So, like, you, you throw it, 
uh, and then you you hit it towards them. But the advanced version of this, you like jump up and punch the fireball into the air, and then it's like a spirit bomb, and you get like ten or fifteen fireballs over Luigi, and then Mario like volleyball spikes it into whatever you're fighting, and. Jeez. There was just something really cool about that. Like Mario doing a spirit bomb is just, I want more of that. Yeah, there's one that I used for Luigi, which is um, the, I think it's the racquetball one or the tennis one. Oh, where Mario turns into a ball and like you, you tennis against an enemy. Yeah, I liked that. I thought that was humorous. Yeah, they're all really cute. They're all fun. I like, I like what all of them do. And I, I've got I've got a minor bros attack complaint. So my minor gripe about the bros attacks is that they all kind of boil down to do the same thing, which is just big damage. Mm-hmm. And there's a few that Luigi gets that can attack multiple enemies at once. Like the lightning one can hit everybody. And um, one of the secret bros attacks that you get from the cave with the hammer bros it's called like Cyclone Bros, I think. And Luigi will smash against a character, uh, an enemy, until it dies. And then we'll move on to the next and um, like keep going until you run out of steam, basically. But mm. other than that, like Mario doesn't really get any attacks that do much else. And I almost exclusively used the hammer ones, like the one, like the racquetball attack that you just described, because you can infinitely loop those. And they just do more damage than even bosses can survive if you yeah. get the rhythm right. So I basically only other I only use the other ones to kind of mix up battle cinematics. Like I wanted to like make my battles fun and interesting and cool for myself. Like like I was watching the TV show because every boss just crumpled in front of Luigi's racquetball. Yeah, once you get those advanced versions, it's kind of hard not to steamroll the bosses. Yeah, but it's still, the boss fights are still in, in interesting, but I wish that, um, I mean, so, so many bosses didn't even get, like, a round to return fire because they just crumpled. Right. But what yeah. can you do? So, in addition to exploring the world and dungeons with the bros movement and clowning on bosses with the bros attacks, uh, the game has a ton of arcade-like minigames. And there's a bunch of them, like a jump rope mini game with uh, the Hammer Bros. Uh, there's a minecart game where you're like grabbing gems. There's a barrel stacking game that you hang out with Donkey Kong skeleton. There's a surfing mini game. And there's a bunch of these. And I think they really mix things up in a great way. And the little kind of fresh air breaks that take you away from the core gameplay long enough to be engaging, but not so long that you're kind of tired of it. And you yeah. can keep coming back to them. And uh, they add in more difficult modes and like it's it's a really rewarding challenge to master all five sets of the jump rope game and then the sixth mode is do all five of them strung together at once and it's it's cool that they like similar to the combat add in uh if you are an expert then you get good rewards for doing the mini games like this game really rewards expertise in a good way yeah most certainly Uh, did you have a favorite minigame? Um, in reality, the one I played the most was the, uh, the, not the jump rope, but like the, um, where you got the two Koopas and they have the rope and you're trying to like jump over it. Oh yeah, yeah, that, that, that's what I meant. That's with the Hammer Bros. That's the jump rope. Yeah, 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 there we go. Um, I can't remember what it's called, but. Uh, oh, it's called Border Jump. Because you're border jumping jump. the border. 
Gotcha. Yeah, that's right. Um, yeah, that was interesting. I like the uh, variety that was implemented into the game. Like, it felt fresh every time I did it. And I mean, I didn't do any of the mini games more than a couple times at most. But that one seemed the more the most fleshed out to me. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I liked most of them. I, I got a big kick. I, I actually got kind of good at the the, um, the one in the Mushroom Village with Gino explaining the rules. Um, and I, I actually stuck around and played that one for a little while just to grind out some, uh, some yellow beans. But Nice, yeah. Speaking of beans, they're the game's core collectible, and you get green beans from certain enemies, yellow beans from certain minigames, red beans from within hidden blocks all are scattered all around the world, and brown beans hidden underground scattered all around the world. And once you've collected enough of any given bean, you can then take it to the Star Bean Cafe and grind them up the bean juice, and all of those permanently increase the stats of either Mario or Luigi once they've consumed it. In addition to getting a permanent stat increase, every time you blend a new bean juice, you get a little cutscene where Professor E. Gad from Luigi's Mansion shows up and he samples the drink. And then he gives you a piece of unique equipment that are all super useful, like get double experience or always receive the enemy's item drop once they're defeated. And yeah, um, yeah those are just busted. Uh, I actually had every single item before I fought the Christmas tree crab. Because, oh, geez. Okay. Uh, uh, because I, I just, I remembered where so much stuff was. Like so much of this game just came back to me while I was playing it. And I've only ever played it once. And... Uh, but just so so much of this has just been burned into my brain somehow. So um, I just I had a really good time with all of the bean juice. It's a very memorable game, and for the bean juice and the bean collectibles, like yeah, that's it. It's thematically strong. Um, I think the rewards that the bean um, juice, like the rewards that Egad gives you, uh, are a little bit too strong, in my opinion. I um... think that's what kind of makes this game a little bit too easy. I like. Double experience could have been uh, 1.5 experience, and I think it would have been fine. Uh, but... that, that, that's fair enough. I, I did, um, uh, I mean, even, even when I was fighting the Koopa Kids, I still had double experience and double experience on because, like, you, I, I would just get a whole level up for beating a Koopa Kid without taking damage. Yeah, like, it, this game gives you so much, it's like a, <laughs> I was going to say a day at the candy store, but a day at the bean store. <laughs> Hey, the bean store. Just dispense beans from everything you encounter. Yeah, lima, brown, black. Yeah, I got more beans than I need. More jelly beans than I need, but uh, I ate them all. Was there a jelly bean like remark anywhere in this game? Um, I'm not sure. There's bean fruit. You feed Yoshi. Yeah, I, that was kind of the one thing. Like, I don't remember finding anything uh, about jelly beans or like candied beans. I can't think of any. You're I right. I could be wrong, but like that that would have been an opportunity. Like this is the game for it. <laughs> yeah, put more beans into more games, folks. The uh, graphics and art style of this game. Uh, do you have any opinions? Ooh, I do. Um, this is one of the biggest uh, reasons why I picked the GBA version. Um, if you're gonna play this game, the GBA version is gorgeous. The like early sprite 2d style looks really clean it looks really good for this type of game and it just works like even though everything is flat and kind of like in a 2.5d plane because you know you're jumping up ledges and 
um, moving through different scales of the plane. Uh, very cool and very fun. And the way the game shows it to you is one, incredibly unique, and two, just it fluidly gorgeous. Inversely, the 3DS version looks just god-awful. Like, the choppy 3D compared to, like, the cleanliness of the 2D in this are just incomparable. It, it, like I said, it's the thing that made me want to get the GBA version instead. Yeah, the animation is just so fluid. It looks so good. And uh, every enemy is well-framed. Every boss fight has such interesting, unique animation to it. Like, just this this game, it, it just it looks stellar. It's such a good-looking game. Uh, yeah. I uh, haven't spent too much time looking at the 3DS version, but um, when I was getting my 3DS, uh, I as soon as I saw that the 3DS remake was not in 2D, I passed on it. So, uh, but I, I would be curious to know how much of the game is different, but at the same time, if I was going to play this again, I'd rather just play it on GBA. Yeah, everything I read was, it's easier and it looks worse, so just play the GBA version. Yeah. So, uh, do you know who did the soundtrack for this game? It is Yoko Shimomura, if I'm correct. That is correct, and the soundtrack of this game rules. Absolutely. Uh, Yoko Shimomura has famously composed uh, Super Mario RPG, all of the Kingdom Hearts games. She's done a few um, Street Fighter games. And uh, just like, oh, she also did the soundtrack to the game that we're playing next episode. Yeah, that's true. Yep. So uh, if you have ever played a Squaresoft game and you've thought to yourself, wow, this music is incredible, it was probably Yoko Shimomura. She's just really good at making music. Yeah. She's one she's, of the best. Yeah. Yeah, she's she squeezes juice out of places you did not know had space to give. Like the GBA has a really, really bad reputation for poor quality sound and music. And she makes really engaging tunes for the whole game. And there's only one real stinker, uh, the jokes end music. Yeah. But uh, it's like the final dungeon, the second to last dungeon. So like, oh no. <laughs> and the temple, the temple that had the really repetitive music where you get the, the fire hand. Oh, uh, I don't even remember that one. So it, it was it was not so offensive that it made an impression like jokes end. just saying jokes end got that awful song in my head. Yeah. So um, I have a question for the depths of secrets that you discovered. Okay. Did you get the casual coral outfit? I don't believe I did. So you get the casual coral outfit from the surfing minigame. Okay. And I spent approximately 45 minutes grinding the surfing minigame to be good enough to get this. It is very difficult to get this, and it is not a good piece of equipment at all. And I was very disappointed. Uh, that, that's exactly what you should expect from a surfing minigame reward. <laughs> I don't know, man. Uh, some of the minigame rewards in Super Mario RPG are absolutely bananas. Like, the, the best item in the entire game you get for doing 100 consecutive super jumps. Like it, Yeah, it, oh yeah. And uh, I will never be good enough at timing the super jumps to do 100 in a row, but... Yeah. Um, oh, but like, like that, that game rewards minigames in a really interesting way. So I was like, whatever I'm going to get 
from this surfing minigame is going to be bananas. And then it was like, this isn't even as good as the stuff that I can buy in the store. So yeah. uh, it, it's, it's one of those toss-ups where it's like, do you want to gate the most powerful equipment behind difficult challenges? Or do you want 10-year-olds to be able to have fun playing this game? I, so. And I want to know, like, what was the reasoning behind something like that? Like, investment over time is a very important thing for when you're designing reward systems. And that's kind of, like, why people want to do the 100 in a row super jump. Because you know that you're going to get something sweet. But if mm-hmm. it's, like, a waste of time, it's just a bad feeling. And you don't really want that. Yeah, I mean, once you get the casual coral, you're good enough at that minigame that you can just do it, and you get uh, a bunch of beans. Like, they give you, like, three of each bean if you nice. beat that minigame again. So, um, once I was good enough at it, uh, I beat that minigame, like, seven or eight times, and just got... I, I, like, the, the Mario Bros. could have swum in all of the bean juice that we had in Mario <laughs> Oh my god. <laughs> Just uh, buckets and buckets and buckets of beans. Yeah. It was disgusting how much bean juice they drank. So I I, I mean I, I crushed everything that I encountered because like I one one of the bean juices gives you like plus four to attack permanently. And that's bananas. Like yeah. why is that the game? <laughs> uh I also want to celebrate an aspect of this game which is how well designed it is for being a handheld game. Uh, Because I played it on original hardware, uh, with my original cartridge, I had to abide by all of the save blocks and things. And they're really plentiful, and they're perfectly placed. And if you know that you only have 10 minutes of this game, you're really never more than like 60 seconds from somewhere that you can wrap up a play session. And this game is really thoughtfully designed in that way. And uh, I haven't ever played a game with a like save station system that I've thought respected the player this much. Right. Um, Yeah, I thought of that too. That's kind of, I mean, it adds to the level design, but that's one of the things I really enjoyed is this has very thoughtful level layout, very thoughtful, like level generation. Like you can tell each piece was hand put there in a way that is meant to guide the player and then give them something a little bit more. Yeah, this game, it's so thoughtful. It's so expertly crafted. It's similar to Mega Man X, where, like, even, even like, where enemies generate on the world map feels thoughtful. Yeah. Let's move on. Uh, what was the high point of your playthrough? Um, really just boss fighting. I, I think that you go through enough of this game uh, to where you're, like, every 30 minutes to an hour, you're beating a boss, and that feels like progress, and that was just my high point, is fighting bosses. It felt good. It felt good. It felt fun. Yeah. Uh, my highlight was the final boss of this game, uh, which has everything that I want. Multiple phases, oppressive attack patterns, strict, but player agency created vulnerability periods, and a thumping final boss too. So yeah. uh, I put Kakla's soul up there with some of the best like secret bosses and final bosses and RPGs, just for like how well-crafted that boss is. Mm-hmm. So, I mean... 
Uh, I'm an adult. That game's not. It's it's not difficult. Like I walked in with like 75 ultra nuts in my inventory because I had infinite money from the double money equipment. So it's 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 not like I could even have conceivably lost. But I had fun. Yeah. With it. Yeah. Uh, did you have a low point in your playthrough? Um, no, not really. I enjoyed the game like all the way through. If I had one real gripe about the game, is that it's a little too easy. Hmm. Yeah, and I, I don't know how they could have made this game harder without, like, just cheap hard. Right, yeah. So, uh, I'm, I'm not sure exactly what would have made this game harder, but also let it be as fun as it was. That would be a very tricky challenge, because uh, do you remember, uh, you once sent me a link to, like, Paper Mario hard mode? Did you ever play any of that? I tried to, but it was just not for me. Like, there yep. needs to be something in the middle of, like, this game's difficulty and that difficulty. And that's kind of, that would be the sweet spot for me. Yeah, I, I think that, like, Paper Mario Thousand Year Door has just the right kind of difficulty curve for this style of game. I don't know. I, I, think, I think Thousand Year Door is kind of the sweet spot. I'd like to see more people kind of delve into this genre, but... Um, I would. I haven't played. I haven't played the other Mario and Luigi games, so it's my own fault. Yeah, there could be a lot that we're missing. Yeah, it'd be fun to explore. We'll we'll, we'll consider it. Yeah, for sure. Uh, so I don't really have a low point either. I wouldn't say that this game's flawless, but I can't think of anything that like broke the game's pace or was frustrating. Like it was just smooth. Yeah, it was a very interesting, fun game to play. So, do you have any final thoughts before we move on to our uh, backlog ratings? I do not. Uh, neither do I, so let's proceed. So, uh, the backlog treasure hunters treasure hunting question is, where should this game be in your backlog? And this is a scale of 1 to 5, where 1 is eternally at the bottom, where you will forget about it and never play it, and 5 is right at the top, where you should get a copy and play this game immediately. Where would you score this on that scale, JT? So I scale this game at a four. I think that this is like going out to a steak dinner at a really nice restaurant and paying a real good price and having a really good time. Like there's just so much here that you can enjoy. It's easily digestible. Um, it definitely cares about your time investment and your skill investment uh the themes the levels the sounds the like user experience are all really good the only gripes i really have are that it's a little bit too easy and the comedy for me didn't hit all the time so like it's the only thing keeping me from giving it a five but this is a real high four i think that's spot on review of this game <laughs> Right. Uh, it's it's super good. It's expertly paced. It's light and breezy without feeling insubstantial. Uh, so I give it a solid four. Uh, I wouldn't score it higher because it's not doing anything too crazy. Like it's not it's not breaking new ground. It's just a solid good game in every aspect. Uh, it's accessible and it respects you and your time. So it's like play this. You'll have a good time. Absolutely. So, uh, thank you for listening. Please rate, review, subscribe, call your local radio station and ask them to broadcast Backlog Treasure Hunters after midnight. Uh, JT, can you please plug our social media? 
Yeah, you can find us on Facebook and Twitter at Backlog Treasure Hunters. Uh, we like to post every so often just cool, funny things about our games that we're playing outside of our backlog, maybe here and there. And yeah, give us a like, subscribe to our podcast, tell your friends. On next week's episode, we discuss big robots and big strategy, because that's right, folks, the Backlog Treasure Hunters are finally covering a tactical RPG just to mix things up. <laughs> Uh, We hope that you had as much fun listening as we did recording, and thank you for listening.